1: Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. As always, wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you guys are listening to us on, thank you so much for the support, the kind messages, all the love that you've sent the show's way, the emails, the tweets. I don't even think they're called tweets anymore, but whatever they're called, thank you for sending those uh, the show's way. I read all of them and really appreciate it. And really excited for you to join uh, this episode as we discuss a little bit Uh, offensive philosophy, a little bit of X's and O's today, as we are going to talk about the four-out, one-in offense, Uh, something that I think a lot of you listeners have a lot of familiarity with and maybe have some exposure with, whether you run it personally or just know people who run it personally. But I think there's so much to it, and even if every coach kind of has knowledge about it, I feel like every coach kind of does it their own way. So I'm really excited to get into the four-out, one-in with my guest, talk about how him and his program run it, implement it, teach it, uh, do their practice structure around it, and, and all the good stuff that goes in with that. So let's jump right in with uh, Northwood. Women's basketball assistant coach is joining me today. Jake Volker is here today. Coach, appreciate you spending some precious time with us. How are things going? Not a
0: problem. I'm, I'm so excited. Things are going good. We got uh, preseason ramping up. Uh, we started at the end of August, and um, we've got a pretty veteran team, so it's nice Um, just kind of jumping into it like – Going ball screen defense, different stuff. We don't have to like start from scratch. So uh, we started a couple of new things last year and uh, it's it's nice picking up right from where we left off during the uh, postseason. So awesome.
1: that is fantastic. That's awesome. As I was saying before we started recording, I, I feel like there's there's never enough time in the preseason or the off season, but it's just you, you feel a little bit better when you have some experience coming back your way.
0: For sure. You got like, like 20 things you got to do, but from <laughs> like experience, you got only like, I guess, 19, to 18 things yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only, right? Right. Um,
1: exactly. <laughs> Coach, uh, start by talking about your basketball journey and your coaching journey. Where where did the game of basketball take you that ultimately uh, led you to Northwood?
0: Yeah. So um, high school, I, 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 I played basketball. Um, was a pretty good shooter, but that was pretty much it. So um, got to learn from like from all the coaches a lot. Um, actually, when I was 16, I was still a junior in high school. Um, my three sisters played on a travel team here in Michigan called the Michigan Mystics. And I went to like like every practice, watched them. Um, and then the director, Rob Rustoffer, came up to me and said, Hey, would you like to like start coaching? I'm like, uh, eh, sure. So he uh, he threw me right in in uh, in the fire. He gave me two eighth grade teams. So I was a 16-year-old coaching two eighth grade teams and girls that were three or four years younger than me <laughs> wow. but, it, but it was cool I mean that so I mean I, I was 16 then I coached with them for seven years I was with uh, I was with the AAU team Um, throughout my my journey with them I coached at Goodrich High School so I started off as a middle school coach um, coach seventh eighth grade for three or four years and then I moved up to um JV coach and then by my last two years at Goodrich I was the assistant varsity coach so I Learned a ton. Um, if you've heard of Goodrich, Coach Jason Gray, uh, he's got a like historic program. They won back-to-back state championships in 2012-2013. Um, I was fortunate enough to learn from him. We made uh, a couple quarterfinals and um, learned a lot from him, a lot from him. Um, and then by then, so that fast forward to two years ago, and I was actually on a trip with some friends during the summer, and the head coach from Northwood texted me and just like kind of reached out to me and offered me a volunteer job so last year I was a volunteer assistant here at Northwood um, got to like learn the ropes uh, learned a lot about scouts learned about about player relationship everything um, she really showed me the way and then this year I was fortunate enough to get the head assistant job so um, that's kind of been my journey it's kind of like a I, I like to think I've been moving up each year from a middle school coach to a now college uh, uh, like assistant so I've been I've been very blessed throughout this journey. That's
1: funny. It's like it's it's like as you've gotten older, the the groups that you've you've worked with have gotten older. It's like you it's yeah. like you have you're you're, you're you're kind of going along along the ride yeah. with them. And uh, I got to ask about what was going for your mind when you had the opportunity to take a, a volunteer assistant job, because that's not something that uh, maybe a lot of people necessarily are, are, are thrilled about or, or they might have some hesitation or a little bit of skepticism about what was going for your mind. And, and what made you think that this was this was the right move for you to make?
0: yeah so I, w- I actually got my bachelor's from Saginaw Valley and that was a physical education and in, in health so um it was also it was always kind of geared towards college coaching um it came one year before I would like it just because uh I, I I had a couple of girls at Goodrich when I was coaching that I coached I mean though so the last year I was at Goodrich, the group I've coached from like sixth grade up. Were, were juniors so mm-hmm. that was hard for me to like leave them their senior year but um I mean basically just a foot in the door um I don't know if that opportunity would have came came up again um it was an opportunity I couldn't really pass up uh, I, I knew the, the the head coach pretty well I knew her through the like through the travel circuit with AAU um so I just felt like everything fit right she went to the same high school as me which is again Goodrich she graduated 10 years before me so it just seemed like everything felt right. And, um, just kind of went for it, put myself out there. And I'm so glad that I, I, I'm I'm so glad that I I did it because I don't know where else I'd be except for like for coaching college hoops. So.
1: And as you mentioned, right. Some you don't know when that next, if that opportunity ever is going to come. And so if you have the means to do it and it's within your, your reach to do it, you know, you don't want to, you didn't want to live with that regret, I can tell for sure, and and it, yeah. and you seem very happy, obviously, with that decision, and and look where it kind of paid off for you now, uh, j- just yeah. a year later, which is really cool. Uh, yeah. Coach, I know, I know something else about you is that you are uh, big into. Uh, mental health. And that's something that you're really passionate about. And I wanted to kind of give you the opportunity to kind of talk about some of the things that you've learned regarding mental health and maybe some advice that you might want to give to coaches that they could use with their program with uh, regards to mental health.
0: Yeah. So when I got to the college level with that coach here at Northwood, she taught me a lot about it. Um, I always knew it was a thing, but I didn't know it was um, this important, I guess I would say, but now being in it for a year and a half, it's extremely important. Um, I think we do two things that um, listeners could could really help with. We so one we call them kickbacks. Uh, we we started with calling them team meetings, and that gave off the wrong persona, and everyone got got nervous and scared what like what was gonna be said. So we came together and with the team, and and we're like hey, like just planned meetings where we can talk and de- and and ask ask deeper questions, be vulnerable, talk about that stuff that you don't like like talking about, like what do you guys want to call it? And then they called it kickbacks. So um from preseason to, to postseason we have kickbacks every week. Um we have it every Wednesday for 1 hour. Uh I would recommend if if you don't put it in your in your schedule you will not do it just because it's hard to plan but if you can plan that month before and you put it in like in your schedule it'll be much better. Um in in those kickbacks like one it's really based off something called True Colors. So I don't know if you've if you've heard of it but it's called True Colors it's four different color like it's like personality traits so like Like the gold and blue and yeah okay orange yep and then green so they're all they all mean different things and they all um go to each person so i mean basically we did it last year to help us coach the athletes so we know like hey if she's a blue we got to coach her differently than a gold if if that makes sense so Mm -hmm. um then we like and like we did that we made posters and stuff and we kind of saw the girls just kind of took off with it so like kids that we're in the gym every day from eight till nine. Um And then they ate at the exact same time of the day. And they, they always did this, like this, like structured plan. Those are gold. So a blue or green, big, like, Oh, now in, in their heads, now they're thinking, Oh, she's a gold. That's fine. That's, that's how she copes. That's how she does stuff. Instead of just saying, Oh, she's weird. She's in the gym. She's doing this. So it's different aspects like that, where it's helped us coach, but it's also helped the girls. Um, And then also it, I think I mentioned it earlier, but, in those kickbacks, asking deeper questions. So asking all multiple follow-up questions, not just one surface level question. So asking deeper questions um, and then being vulnerable. I think we did, <clears throat> we did a activity last year where we had them get up and um, in front of the team. And they talked about uh, th- like an important thing, uh thing that means a lot to you and a uh, hardship in, in life. And we thought we were going to get through the whole team that time, but we ended up getting through three people because, they got up there, they they got vulnerable, and, and, and then the audience asked deeper questions, and it turned out to be a really cool at, like uh, activity. So we ended up pushing that to like four weeks. So just different things like that with kickback, I think just that team building, that team bonding helps a lot, especially off the court and then translating onto the court.
1: Uh, <laughs> and it's the amount of trust, I think, that can be built in something like that yeah like the the you're you're really asking you know, obviously your players to be so vulnerable with each other yeah. and trusting uh their teammates with parts of their lives that they wouldn't necessarily share with anyone else or or a lot of people and I think if that trust is there with those vulnerable things off the court then it kind of makes stuff on the court trusting each other like seem sure. like
0: very very easy to do I imagine For Sure. now yeah now me making this kick ahead pass to you I trust you I I, I know you can make this catch so I'm I'm going to throw it no matter what. Um, So yeah, those are kickbacks. And the other thing that we do do a lot, and I think that it's really good. We call it leadership, leadership committees. Okay. We take the upperclassmen. So like this year, we have a sixth year and two and five fifth years. So we take them all like all together with our senior and we have leadership committees every Tuesday. Um, Now in there, we get a little bit deeper. We ask deeper questions and us as coaches, that's like a one-on-one situation with the captains and the leaders of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that to help a lot like i think last week i don't know if you watch hard knocks but mm-hmm. on the one hard knocks episode with the with the jets coach he talks about four levels of competitors so there's a survivor mm-hmm. contender competitor and a, and a commander so like all those go into it and then we ask them like hey what do you guys think you are and um they answer honest and probably five out of the six were like ah eh, we don't think you're quite there yet so now they can go back and actually think that and oh and apply that off the court and on the court. So it's just a coach with lesser players like like opportunities where we can just talk to them and um make them better leaders and then ideally so when these when the sixth year and the other fifth years are gone now we have two leaders in there so we can bring in more people um just to help them lead and help them be be better women. So
1: yeah, that that's that's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that it's that's just powerful stuff that just transcends basketball. Even yeah. I mean, the the things that they share and the relationships they can probably build off of of, off of being just that that open with one another. That that's really mm-hmm. that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, shifting next is a nose coach and talking about uh four out and one in. Uh, I I wanted to first pick your brain about why was that the system that was best for Northwood kind of talk about the philosophy behind what, what, what uh, you and the staff and you and the program, like about the four out and one in and and why it works for you guys there.
0: Yeah. So a little bit of background behind it. It's a four out one in. Uh, We want to get to the post as soon as possible. And then we, we run a lot of split screen and weak side action. Um, Basically it's just, we took over the mono, like the mantra, like last year, just more concepts, less plays. So we felt in this four on one end, like it was more concepts. So for example, like if we throw it to the post, uh, we've had, we've done a lot of different things. If she has two feet in the paint, she's always scoring, like she's going up to score. So that's one of the concepts. Um, If she doesn't see any split screens, nothing on the weak side, then she, um, you know, kicks it out and there's another concept where we can actually ball screen or away screen. So there's different concepts where, um, if you always do something, then you follow it by this, and it's not really plays or sets, but it's just letting them play free, um, letting them play to their strength. Because we recruit players, um, we kind of recruit positionless basketball. So mm-hmm. if you can hoop, you can play in this system. Um, yeah, and my head coach always says no more than eight sets. So the less sets, the better. Uh, we just kind of sit down, shut up. We try to, but and then once we need to like actually step in, then we can actually call sets and call different different actions so
1: and is that like a a change of pace for your players are they used to being in systems that are more concept and more free form based or are are the player is that what you kind of look for in terms of players that you get or I guess uh, for a better way to word this question is, is to get them to think conceptually rather than just uh, about running sets. Was that a, was that a tough adjustment or what was that adjustment like?
0: Yeah. So um, my head coach took over three years ago. Um, She was an an assistant for, I think four or five years before that. But um, before she was head coach, um, the head coach there was 18. He was there for like 18, 19 years and he got offered the, um ad job here at northwood so he took that and i mean he he built the program up um he got did a lot of things with the program he did a lot of successful things but in his in his tenure he ran a lot of sets a lot of plays um a, a lot of actions and a lot of if, if we see this we're gonna run this into a, a ball screen or this into some kind of flare. so it took about two years now this is going on year yeah so it took last year we just kind of had to kind of beat it out of them and just kind of like, Hey, play, just play, just play, just play. And then now this year, we're kind of seeing it come just come together. Like, Hey, that might not be the right drive, but can you make it, you know, like, can that might not be the right finish, but that was the right read. So um, just trying to make them just play pos- like positionless basketball Um, recruiting wise. Yeah. That's, that's what, I mean, basically at the, the division two level, you gotta be able to shoot it. So shooters and playmakers, um, a lot of AAU teams out here don't really run them that many sets. It's just kind of running gun. So, and we, I actually really like it because it shows who can play, who needs more structure. Um, so yeah, it, it was like when we recruit, we were just recruit hoopers. So if, if, if you can shoot it pass and dribble it, we, we, uh, oh, we want you. So,
1: yeah. And, and with that, hope with recruiting those type of players then who are just kind of used to that more form yeah. thing, then they can be kind of conceptually ready for anything. Hopefully put them in yeah. kind of any situation and they can just kind of go off of maybe some certain rules to follow, but otherwise kind of just play their play their game within like a team concept and yeah. kind well, of be off and running.
0: Yeah. And there's different things. I mean, as coaches know, like once freshmen come in, there's those concepts and plays, but also like they're still catching it splitting their feet and it's and it's called travel like every time so it's to help (laughs) and it's it's to help i mean two hands on on the hip like they're gonna call it every time at at the college level where sometimes at the high school level like that's not called so it's also like to help in our heads like hey we have enough with these freshmen coming in that they they don't know the rules they don't know how to play yet i mean we have enough right now for scouts like we don't need 20 more sets so yeah i'm not saying it's the right way to do it but um our our minds and our players we have here um more concepts with way less plays so so you mentioned when you were
1: talking about the philosophy behind it you you mentioned the post and i think that that's really really interesting uh because i think for for people who who i've spoken to about the four out one in that the one right that the post element especially if the way the game of basketball is played right now, I think sometimes it, it can be a little difficult or a little tricky to figure out how to maximize that, that post position, especially if it's a player maybe who doesn't uh, have maybe the skills that, that maybe coaches would want that one to have. But I wanted to ask you about uh, the role that, that, that the post player plays and, and how they get involved in, in the work of, as you mentioned, screen action. So kind of walk us through what, what the post is expected, the one, so to speak in the four out one in.
0: Yeah, so in our, our motion, it's pretty much predicated on the post. Um, we want to get to them as soon as possible. Um, a lot of .5 basketball. I I read something or I saw something with uh, uh, Steph Curry. He was talking about .5 basketball, dribble, shoot it, pass it within .5 seconds. So as in guards, this is the only thing I'll say about the guards is the guards, we, we're working on that this whole preseason, .5 basketball, get it into the post as, as soon as possible or shoot it, drive it. Uh, pass. I mean, we had a, a hard time last year. We just threw the ball above our heads, and we can't do any any of, of those three from there. So, um, but yeah, posts they um so they their direct communication is high or low. So where do you want the ball? Um, so it's a four out one in So we have one on the rail and one on the wing. So if they want it high, they pass it in from the rail. If they want it low, they pass it in from the wing. So they have to be great talkers, great passers, and great playmakers so great talkers going to the high low great passers like i mean once we throw it in they chin it peak middle and then there's action going on all around them all around them so then th- so then that plays into being great playmakers um we have a lot of posts that can score so that's nice too yeah um, actually our sixth year that's coming back she's a uh, very good down low very strong so yeah i mean it's just it's just pretty good on, on the posts um sometimes they do get pushed off the block up the block or, or out the block so um we do have like a, a like flash series um not really we don't really know what we're going to do this year yet but um any kind of flash series where you can just run them to the elbow and then you can throw it in there and just kind of play off it uh we don't really I'm like i said we don't really know what we're gonna do this year but um because because they do get, get get pushed off the block sometimes but it's hard to to reseal so any kind of flash action to the opposite elbow last year we did to the ball side elbow and it's just hard entering entering it there Mm so uh we're we're kind of looking at opposite elbow action this year so
1: and when the when these when these players come in are these traditional like post players that are coming into your program are these ones that have to be kind of worked into the position and what's expected of them
0: yeah i mean uh we recruit to it so they're kind of traditional post players that can make playmaking moves so um i mean we have anywhere from a we can, I mean, so if if a guard drives and if we eye cut or L cut out, I mean, we're we're not just stopping at, at the elbow. Those posts can come out to the three point line. Um, they can put it on, like uh on the ground. We work a lot with them with cross court passes. So, them, f- f- like like pivoting, flipping their shoulders, and just throwing it. Um, so yeah, that that it's not really the traditional back to basket. We like we, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we want them scoring. We want them facing up. We want them um being uh, aggressive within the offense. So. Um, there are so in those screening actions. So to help them, so once we throw it into them, there's a split screen happening on the ball side, and then there's a flare or a down screen ha- happening on the weak side. So a couple of things to help them, like using direct communication. So like, hey, um, Ella. Or let's say, hey, S- hey, Susie. Like, if you're open on a slip, it's not, hey, blah, 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 blah. It's like, hey, Susie, Susie, Susie. So it's to help them because they're they're making four different reads to four different counters. So we we do preach a lot of direct communication, um, especially with those weak side flares because those are hard passes. So if you're if you're open on the flare or if you're open on the slip, um, those direct communications really help the post in those decisive decisions. So,
1: and what's the key? I'm, I'm I, I like to ask uh, coaches this whenever this gets brought up. What what's the key to to a good screen? What what does an effective screen look
0: like in your program? Yeah, so I mean, it depends on I guess where it's at, but if we're if we're talking about weak side flares, we teach put your butt to the corner. Um, it's not really like a traditional like come off the shoulder. But if I'm coming if if, if I'm on the, on the weak side screening from the corner to for the rail, I'm coming up putting my butt to the to the corner and letting her run off it because we they can flare to the corner or they can curl it. So there's all these different reads. Um, so definitely we we preach getting wide, putting your butt to the corner, and then either slipping or, or popping off their read and okay, i'm just I'm
1: just visualizing it. I'm just visualing right now, okay. so yeah. the 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 language or or what what's expected is is maybe like slightly different than it is, but um I think the concepts of of a screen itself are are are, are relatively pr- pretty straightforward and things that they're they're used to doing, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So I mean, just basically, so that that direct communication mm-hmm. uh, again comes there like just so so they know. So if I'm setting you up, if I'm setting you a screen for a flare, I can't really turn around and, and watch what you do. So, you, so, you're, so you're saying flare or curl. So then that mm-hmm. makes me the right read. Now I can pop or slip. So as that, yeah, so to visualize it better, so as the ball side split screen is going on, we always have weak side action happening too. So we can either set a flare or or a down screen. And then on, on both those screens, you got to communicate curl or pop.
1: hmm hmm okay okay I got you I'm, I'm following I'm taking right I'm taking
0: little notes right now <laughs> yeah yeah,
1: yeah yeah no, no I, I got you there awesome perfect. um okay so you also mentioned about uh the the certain though conceptually for the post that if they get the ball they got to have a finishing move to them right yeah okay so uh what 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 should be in their package or what works in their like finishing package what, what do you work on in your post players when they're in that position
0: Yeah. So um, basically, like I said before, if they have two feet in the paint, um, we still run all those actions, but it's for them to to score. So we still run the split screen and we still run the flare or down screen, but basically it's for them to score. So there's no help. Um, uh, So we have a a series of stuff. Uh, We can do a drop step. Um, So if you get them so far under the paint, uh, we also have something called a, a go it's called go. So mm-hmm. we, we catch it and you just go and you try and get all the way to the other side of the rim. So basically you can either finish on the other side or they, they stop you. And that's an easier read for them. Then they can just drop step to the other side and, and, and just finish. So we teach goes. Um, and then also we call it an, Oui. ooey, um, Jawan Howard at Michigan runs that with the men. It's just like a shoulder shimmy so if, if I'm on the right block and I'm driven with my left hand putting my right shoulder in the defender, um, I'm, I'm putting my left shoulder back and then coming back over my right shoulder for a hook. So they call that that little shimmy in, in ooey. And, at, and as you know the, the the weirder or cooler the name is, then their girls will do it more. <laughs> of so of course. Um, definitely having those packages um, I from my from my opinion I would say go is probably the best option just because it's the easiest read. So if I catch a two feet in the paint, I'm just going. And then if if, I, if they cut me off, then I, I have an easy bucket back to the same side. I just got it. Um, but, yeah. Oh, and, and then always going off two feet. Off I think two? Oh, yeah. And that's something, like, everyone preaches. Um, that's another thing. Freshmen come in and they always go off one foot. And that can happen at the, at the college level.
1: So, so you're doing some reteaching on this. So, as high school coaches, which I am, that's that's one of the things yep. that we can make sure that we're doing is is going off too. Because if they're going to play in college, most likely it's going to get corrected yep. anyway. So,
0: yeah, and I think most, I, I don't think it's the college coaches' fault. I, I don't, th- I don't think it's a high school coach's fault. I think most of the players that do come to our level are coached correctly, but then they just kind of revert back to their old selves. So. Um, because I mean, it's it's not like they've they've never done it before. It's just like mm-hmm. you said, you're teaching it.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, that leads into uh, a really um, in, interesting kind of piece of the four out, one in, and and you mentioned it too about the philosophy behind it. Is that it's very, as you mentioned, conceptual based. There's a lot of decision making and, and, and a lot of a lot of freedom for players to to make reads and and to make the right proper decision with the ball. And that's such a uh, challenging and that's not a bad and I don't use that as a bad thing but I use that as a good way it's, it's a challenging concept to teach and I was really curious about just the concept of teaching decision making within your offense uh, well, what is that like so your players know how to make the best reads possible when in a situation like that
0: yeah so I think I mentioned earlier with Steph Curry I saw it it was like a video on Instagram or, or something but he talked about point five basketball how The faster you play, everything slows down. So, like, I didn't really understand that at at first, but the faster you do play, everything does slow down. So, ideally, the longer you you hold the ball, everything speeds up, and you got to get it out of your hand so fast. Where if you catch and you just look, if you don't have a shot or dribble, then you just pass it right away. So, teaching shoot, pass, dribble right away, 0.5 basketball, and we preach that over, over, over. Like I said before, our girls have a hard time putting the ball above their head, and, and and they just stand there. So that takes you out of everything. So like I said, like just kind of reteaching stuff, um, just at a at a faster pace, and then that's how we kind of structure practice, like drills and stuff, like play fast, play. Um, we call it space, space and pace. So we want to stay wide, and we want to play fast. Um, cup, one drill I really like that we do. Uh, we call it two on one rapid fire. So it's it, it's very simple. It's you put an offensive player on the wing and rail and then one defender. Um, So let's say that's on the right side. And then the coach is on the opposite wing and it's legit. You just throw it at at one of them. And then that defender just plays defense the the entire time. So if you catch and she's coming at you, then you pass right away. So it's just like pass or shoot right away. It's like 25 seconds. And if she's, if she's guarding you, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if that's, if that's the best shot then we're doing it and we just go constantly, constantly, constantly. Like there's no time to really wait. Once that group shoots at the next group's on, like – and, I, and I'm, I'm I'm passing the ball before it it even hits the rim with the group before us. So do a lot of up-paced drills that try and make them – we do a lot of up, up-paced drills to make them slow down, if that makes sense. So we do a lot of up-paced to make them think, but we don't really want them thinking. We want them just playing naturally, just playing free, flowing into it. Um, I would also say we do a lot of one-on-one finishing – so whatever you like to do, if if you like putting the ball on, on the back, or you can do like you can do back tap one on one, you can do all the like all these different things, but just adding another defender. So you could have a defender come. Let's say, okay, so we're doing ball in the back. So my I'm on offense, my ball's on your mm-hmm. your back, and then once okay. I, I lift it, we're gonna play one on one. Okay, so yeah, 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 a, I've yeah. I've seen that before. Add, yep, yep. You can add a defender coming from the weak side. So now it's two on one. You can add a defender uh trailing them. So now let's say you get a step and you have to reach, you have a whole nother defender come, like, coming like on behind you. So, um, I do a lot of the guard. I mean, even post breakdown. So adding a defender coming from the weak side or trailing. And then, um, also always, um, uh, a- adding defenders, um, where offense can only shoot. So like we might do a three on two. No. Yeah. We, so we might do a three on three. Okay. But, um, the one offensive player can only shoot they cannot drive they cannot dribble they can only shoot so let's say we're working on cutting the floor keeping it on one side and let's say you get beat and then now you need the help so now you can make that pass to the corner to that offensive player that can only shoot so like different concepts like that to where you have that um that like uh girl in the corner where you can shoot where you can have that that um breakthrough and, and stuff like that so just playing faster to make them think more if that makes sense i hope that makes sense
1: well yeah you kind of almost put them in a situation it, it seems like and i'll let you correct me if i'm wrong but it's almost like put in a situation where you don't really have time to like overthink things yep. you, you got to make decisions quickly or you got to just go off of what seems right in that situation where you don't have time to like freeze or, or overthink something. Like I mentioned, yeah. you just got to play with like what you see there and you got to make a decision with it right away.
0: Well, yeah. And I didn't really, I guess I didn't really explain the, the last show Well, but it's like, Hey, it's not that you it's decision-making, but there's this girl wide open in, in the corner that's on your team that can just shoot the ball. So it's simple stuff like that. Where now we watch, now we get into games and we watch film and it's like, Oh, like she was wide open. It's like, yeah, she was. But if you came to two and if you just relaxed and made that pass, then we're good, but you came to two and then just threw the ball behind your head and just was like falling out of bounds, right? So it's just like <laughs> simple stuff like that to where we don't have to go back and watch film on that after the game where we can watch something else. Well I
1: think one of the things too about what, what you just kind of mentioned right about you know getting that girl in the corner for a three yeah. and i've and I've seen this happen in, in systems that are like four out one in is even though they are uh, as we've mentioned a few times conceptually based or more um, free flowing i I've, I've seen and cuz i've i've been through it myself i've seen uh you know players kind of fall in love with maybe specific actions or certain things and then yeah. before you know it like your best your 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 offense has become predictable because your yeah. players kind of want to do the same kind of look or same kind of action so doing what you mentioned where you kind of force a specific thing to occur and then kind of work around that kind of gets your players to think about, you know, maybe some different things or different looks or different ideas that they normally or wouldn't default to, if that makes sense.
0: No, for sure. And I think in that aspect, it's nice to where let's say in, in games, let's say they take away that baseline pass, what we're doing in practices will help them like, okay, next next decision playing fast. Okay. That's on open now took to the open to the open window. So it's like, okay it helps us on the fly with games make better decisions because of what we're doing in, in practices. Cause we're, we're purposely making practices so much faster to where games feel so much slower.
1: That uh, that that's the, I think that's the dream as coaches, right? Where practice yep. is the hard part and, yeah. and the games become the easy part. At least that's the goal, right? Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, is your that the concepts that, that we've talked about over and over are there tweaks or adjustments that get made based on the the types of defenses that you go up against I guess a better starting question would be do you see a lot of variety in the types of defenses that you play and and does the four out one in that you do need to be adjusted at all for that or do you see kind of the same defensive concepts that that you go up against
0: yeah so I mean I guess basically like man-to-man versus zone I think we see majority of the same defenses so we see a, a lot of man but um in those different defenses they will take different things away so I think last year the biggest thing that they tried taking away was front and the post so yeah. um that that pregame game in that practice before we just worked down a lot of okay we passed the 45 they're going to front now we're going to skip it and then now we're trying to enter it from there or now we're going to skip it to the uh, opposite rail so we can make one more to the wing to give the post time to get the ball. So, I mean, I guess concepts there don't really change. Um, if we want to do, we haven't really tried it. We haven't really done it yet. Like I said, we did it last post season, but if we wanted to it, in the post throw out of it, go ball screen, mm-hmm. um, I think different ways defenses will play. or I think different way defenses will play that is like, do we have to, is it a flat ball screen? Do we screen with our butt toward the, it, so if they're trying to cut the floor, right. So if I'm on the block and I skip in, I skip it opposite and I'm going to screen and they're trying to cut the floor. So now it's a reverse ball screen to where my butt's on the bit, where my butt's forced off is where my butt's facing the baseline. Mm-hmm. So it's like different aspects like that, where I think we um, scout and then we can uh, adjust from there just because on on the fly, the girls might not be able to do it as well. But like I said, in practice, I think the, the faster we do it in like pregame and stuff, that's going to help them too.
1: I know you mentioned this uh, a bit and I wanted to circle back to it. And that that was kind of the role that um, watching film or, or specifically having your players kind of look at film and breaking down film with your players kind of goes into, into your offense. And the reason I want to ask that is because with more of a, a free-flowing offense where there's a lot of player decision-making, I yeah. think that there's a lot of value in players seeing the decisions that they make and being yeah. able to learn and recognize from that. So what what role does that kind of fit in with players kind of watching film and kind of learning from what they're doing on film?
0: Yeah, so basically we start off last year, I think the first three or four games where you're writing not hefty scouts, but like pretty detailed scouts. So So then by like December we're like, hey – less is more so the less that we give them the more they retain if if that makes sense yeah 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 for um, sure. basically for us we go over a lot of the the opponent's offense mm-hmm. um, we don't really show much film on their defense and what we do we just kind of build that into the practice plan um, we do a lot of, th- of like three line drills so if we know that they're gonna let's say ice ball screens uh, our our attack now out of that post might be a pass and then a, a reverse ball screen. And we might not give them that information. We'll tell them that the opponent does this, but we won't tell them like how they do it, when they do it. We'll just tell them, hey, this is you will see this tomorrow, you will see this today. This is how we're gonna attack it. This is how we're gonna score off it. So basically, like film wise, we don't give them much on the opponent's defense um, unless it's something drastic. Oh, that's it's like a press or, or something, but we would just build it into our our like practice and make a, a lot of three line drills do a lot of um blue white breakdown stuff like that
1: yeah that and that sounds like something that 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 you kind of have the the philosophy of like kind of you know playing especially on the offensive end like playing your game yeah like doing doing what 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 it is that you need to do and almost yes. like the defense the, the the has to kind of react react to you um, do you do a lot of film work uh where where you work with your players on uh film like after a game and like have them like watch film of themselves and playing and, and looking at that or is that something that's not as important or what role does that play
0: yeah so film wise um we hit it really hard during the preseason so like where we're like teaching a lot and we're showing I mean no offense to them but a lot of mistakes <laughs> yeah um, like the the good things we we shout out we we give them all the all the, like, all the praise during practices and stuff because when good things happen during preseason, that's awesome. But the bad things during preseason, we kind of take notes, what time's on the clock. And we definitely need to go back and watch that. Um, in season, it's a lot of us coaches clipping. Um, we kind of leave it. We, we, so for us, we leave the day of the game mm-hmm. alone with film. So we don't watch it. We don't make them watch it. We give it till the next day just because I've realized too, like in this practice, I might think our ball, pre- our ball pressure was absolutely terrible. Like it was, it was mm-hmm. garbage, but then I go back and look and we got beat two times off it. So that's, that's the where like no watching film the, the day of, but then the, the next day, like there's two different ways I like to do it. So I'll either break it down the next morning and then have players come into my office and talk about it, or we'll just sit down and watch, um, like the whole first quarter. So then, I'm going to sit down with you and let's say out of the 10 minutes in the first quarter, let's say you played four, we watched the whole first quarter and we kind of break down everyone. Um, I just think that there's different minds that like that. So like, if you see me do, if we, if you guys, if me and you watch a player do something wrong and we come and then we can talk about that and fix that. That helps different players. Whereas in like, I think if we watch something on you, I think some players take that personal, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, definitely wait until the, like the next day, either clip it or watch, either the a whole half or a whole quarter with the player. And then postseason, that's a lot too. Postseason for us, it's a lot of like new concepts, new things. So that's again a, a lot of praise for good things, and then clipping the bad things where we can get get better at. Awesome,
1: awesome. No, that, that that's that's really uh, well said. Appreciate that explanation. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about some of the drills that you like to do and and kind of taking a step uh, back or zooming out from that. I, I wanted to ask about uh, practice structure in general and, and how practices maybe are kind of built or refined throughout the season. So in, in kind of a general sense, how does your practice structure kind of work throughout the year, uh, specifically re- regards to, to the four out one in and, and running the offense?
0: Yeah, so I think for most people, just practice in general gets shorter as the year goes on just because, uh, basketball season, that's a pretty long draining sport. Um, so yeah, two hours at, at like at the beginning and then like midway, probably like go down to an hour and a half and then to end it's like hour 15. So, um, I think that's a really good, that's a actually a really good question. I think as it goes throughout the year, we need to focus on us more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we do have like a 30 minute segment of, of offense every single day. There are times, like let's say before, if we play on a Thursday, let's say Wednesday, where it's like forty-five minutes defense, and then we only get fifteen offense because we're preparing for the other team. So as the year goes on, we make more time for offense. So always, like always, thirty minutes. Um, the really the best drill I I like we call it nickel and dime. Um, so it's 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 five on five. Nickel is if you get five stops. So defense, you got to get to a, to a nickel offense. You got to get to a dime. So if the defense gets to to five stops before the offense gets a dime playing twos and threes, then they win. Or if the offense who has dimes get to 10 before the defense gets five stops, then, Hmm. then they win. So there's different concepts there. And then to add a whole variation of it, for example, how we play and different things, we add a penny. So now there's, there's a penny to the offense. So. Let's say me and you are, are, are on offense and the coach says, uh, Mike, you're the penny. So if you score, let's say you score three, that's an extra penny. So you score four for that possession. Okay, let's say you score a, a layup, that's an extra penny. So that's three for that possession. So that's that helps a, a lot with scouts too. So let's say um, next day we have a, a, a player that's averaging 35. So like, hey, you're number 24. Mike, you're number 24. If, the, if, if if Mike scores, that's a penny. Um, So that's kind of preparing us for the next day. Like, hey, this girl can score. Like, we're we're keying in, in on her, and we're keying in on you for this one possession. So, like, different aspects on that. And then we're still in the motion throughout that. But now, like – so now, let's say, Mike, you're a guard, and, okay. it, and you throw it in, and you want to get that split screen or you want to get that flare. Now we're looking for you on that flare or on that split screen or on that slip. So it's the post like, Hey, I, 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 I want to make this pass to her, but if I don't, then let's say since, since Mike, you're the like penny, let's say two people go with you. And then that, that leaves this girl wide open. So it's just those different aspects on, um, how to play, when to play, how, how fast to play, who we're king and on, um, that helps us a lot. And that's probably one of, one of my favorite drills.
1: No, oh, that, no, that sounds great. I, I just imagine the, the amount, like uh, how much you're able to work on yeah just just within doing that right there's so much it seems and and i'll let you elaborate on this just how much versatility you can have or how much you can adapt it to what your yeah. team needs or maybe what they need a little bit more work on or refinement yeah. on i feel like this yeah. is great
0: because i mean I, i'm I'm let's just say post like we we're working on all, all week two feet in, in the paint we want you drop set in, drop step in scoring it's like okay now let's say mike you're the post like hey mike you're the penny so if you score you get the like like the extra point so like yeah. now we're we are damn straight getting it in in the post <laughs> and like you are scoring because because we want that penny so
1: and what i what i also i i think that this may be more on on the high school and in younger side but may, maybe it's on the collegiate side as well is that something like that also makes sure that like everybody is like deeply involved and i know Definitely. that in high school sometimes what, what we face and that's always been a bit of a bit of a challenge is um players who maybe kind of disappear a little bit on offense or who are trying not to uh, be, be seen, or they don't want to score. They don't really want the ball or they don't, they don't have that, uh, you know, look like they want the ball and therefore the defense doesn't have to key in on them. And now everybody else suffers because of that. And now the whole offense kind of crumbles because we don't have five willing, you know, participants and five people who are really hungry to to, to score, help one another score. And so something like that, I think really makes sure that like, everybody knows how important they individually are to like the whole team concept of the offense. No coach.
0: I, I think that's a great point. I, I, I think it's high school and college. Like, I mean, we can, you, we might have that, that sophomore that can play, but she doesn't really want to step on anyone's toes. Right. Where it's like, Oh no, no. It's like, Hey, little Susie, you're the point. I mean, you're the penny. So it's like, no, you need to go score this time. And it's nice for the players around her telling her, Hey, go score. Cause they want that extra penny. So it's just different acts, or I mean, let's say, uh, we have a defender that doesn't like to score. It's like, no, no, we're we're calling you out. You're the penny. So now you need to you gotta do your best. You guys set a good screen so you can slip, so we can get you the ball. And everyone's looking in on you, and everyone's telling you to score. So it's it's a confident boost behind it too. So. I, I think it's
1: fantastic. And then I imagine, like when they're able to, right? Like if they so, get that score or whatever, like <laughs> that, that must be a great feeling for them and confidence and booster, 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 like you said, right? Because you. you're going to need them. You're going to need them, right? Right now, that, that's really cool. That that's really awesome. Um, I think you you kind of mentioned this when we talked a little bit about the mental health thing, but I I I, I did want to touch on this since we're bringing it up now about, um the concept of getting all of the players just just to kind of work together and and, and play off each other and trust one another so that uh, in a game they can just kind of go off concepts but also play free form that just the idea of kind of bringing the team offensively together to where they can trust one another and where they can in, almost instinctually know like where each other is at and what to expect from each other was that or is that a long process to kind of bring that together and bring that chemistry together? Did it develop pretty quickly? What, what, what was the experience with that? Yeah.
0: I mean, if, if I'm being honest, if we don't, if we don't do the mental health stuff, if we don't do like the kickbacks and the leadership in the leadership committee and the different aspects and the different breakout rooms mm-hmm. within the kickout, within the kickbacks, I think it would take longer than it did um, because I mean, they, get deep in those conversations. So let's say we do a kickback and we split them up into four groups. It's like, Hey, like you're asking deeper questions. You're trying to get to the root of the problem. And like for some athletes, it's basketball. So for, for I've, I've learned some athletes, it's like anxiety and basketball and like messing up. Like they don't want to mess up. Yeah. But you and I both know you'll, you'll never be, be the best player that you can without, without messing up, like without failing. So it's then like, within that group, the three other people with her that just share that, like now you're on the court and it's like, Hey, she messes up. So like, no, no, not like now we're, we're going to pick her up. We have, yeah, the yeah. Um, we always have this thing called, we, we talk after turnovers. So if, if I make a, a bad pass to you, we both come together, talk about it, what we both can do. Hey, I needed to make a better chest pass or pass ball with, with like two hands, not one. And then you can say, Hey, well, I, sh- I, sh- I should have got to the corner quicker. So it's not just one person to blame. Um, so we have different aspects to help build that up. Um, we, we also did something last year called the um, Energizer. So um, a- every practice, me as the uh, assistant coach, I go up, I pick one person and say, hey, you're the, the Energizer. So that person is like the most hype, um, direct communication. So like saying names on everything, um, always picking someone, always the first one to the floor when, when like, someone falls, helping them up. Um, always picking someone up. So it's, we got that built into where if I, I make this bad pass, and I'm down on myself, and I'm angry at, at myself, the energizers coming up picking me up. So um, different aspects, I think if we don't if we don't do that stuff. I think that chemistry that knowing where you're at takes a lot longer. But with that, with doing that stuff, I think it definitely, definitely helped us.
1: I, I I may be stealing that coach. Uh, don't don't if I steal that Energizer concept, uh, I'll be it. sure to attribute. I'll be sure to attribute it unless you stole it from yep. somewhere. Oh, oh and then, coach,
0: that's that's the name of the game. We I've i made up one thing. But yeah, <laughs> since 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 you think about it, we'll go into it. So the the Energizer, you pick one person each practice. You say you're the you say you're the uh Energizer. Mm-hmm. At the end of practice, the the players vo- vote on who they think it is. So let's say um, I'm the energizer for this practice and I, I'm not voted. So then you say, okay, who was it? And then I raise my hand. Now we're going around saying what I could have done better. So I, they could say direct communication, be louder, clap louder, pick people up, never be quiet. Um, and then it helps. Like we've, we saw, we saw last year, like, Hey, so now we're on like energizer number six. Um, so then it's like now the, the first five people that, that already did it, they're trying to trick people and they're, they're trying to make everyone else around them louder than they usually are to try and <laughs> trick them so it, so then that makes the whole practice even better if that makes sense yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. and the, i mean uh, don't we all say as coaches that we want a loud gym yeah. right we need a loud energetic gym that that's happening Absolutely. so it's,
0: it's it's kind of tricking them into being louder than they are but we don't have to tell them that
1: yeah, that that's cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, circling back to some some X's and O's stuff here is, is we're going to start to wrap up in the next ten to fifteen minutes. I I want to make sure I ask about uh, shooting, shooting form, catching in rhythm, being ready to to get get the pass, get it right in the shooting pocket, and put put something down. What? Do you find that you need to work on with your players to get their shooting mechanics right especially in an offense that can sometimes be very timing based or the the reads got to be right, the pass has to be right, the shot's got to get off at the correct moment. Uh what what are you working on or find yourself having to teach or reteach in terms of shooting form and being shot ready?
0: Oh, a guard question finally. I'm glad. Okay. I got you. So, um basically I focus on really two different things within our, our our offense so basically getting to a spot in a timely manner so um let's say if it's a flare like not just jogging that flare like no that post is throwing it to the corner so like you gotta you gotta like drop the trailer and get to the corner mm-hmm. so that you can get your so that you can get your feet set so that's the first step for me like getting to a spot with the purpose with the plan and then the second um which I think is maybe more important getting two feet down. So we, I always preach popping your feet. So when the ball's in the air, not just coming to two, like pop your feet, it should be a thud. It should be a different sound so that you can get that shot up. Um, I got it from, I, I didn't, I heard it from uh Phil Beckner. He's the trainer for Damian Lillard. So like how he gets those step back threes, he, he scored on the thunder in game five to end the series. Like he, as a step back, like his feet hit the floor hard so that he can come up and, um, the harder your feet hit the, the farther out you can shoot. So, um, we, we work on that a lot with the guards. So there's different things. Um, my two biggest things I like doing with the guards to get their feet to the floor as soon as possible Mm -hmm. is they'll just, um, let's say if we want to start at mid range, they'll start at the three point line and just hop three times forward on one foot. So they'll hop, 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 and then get their feet to the floor pound it and then go up um we could do it to the side right or left and then if we wanted to work on threes which is harder with that we would start at like a 15 foot range and then hop backwards and then get both feet hit like to the ground um I think that's a really good um drill for sh- like shooters to get your feet get your feet to the floor stay balanced and then go straight up um I've realized whatever way you're jumping if it's mainly side or back they're gonna fade if it's forward they usually won't fade but that's also something that you can work on too: staying balanced, getting two feet to the floor. And then the other drill I got, I forget, I forget where I found it, but you can go wherever you want. So it's just me and a player. She she can lean on me, so I have her shoulder in, in my hand. She's leaning to her, to her right. Okay. And I'll just I'll just let go. So then she has to get two feet to the floor and then shot. So then she can lean to the left. And however far I I want to bring her down, and then she and then she's got to get two feet. Uh, the hardest one is where she leans back, so I have my hand on her back, and she leans back, and she's got to get two feet to the floor as soon as possible without traveling. So yeah, though, I guess those are the two biggest things. I I feel popping your feet, getting your feet to the floor, so that you can come up higher uh, for the shot. It's extremely important for all guards.
1: And I and I imagine because footwork is is one of those is one of those things that is not not the most flashy thing to work on and is 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 very uh requires a lot of re- repetition because there's a lot of muscle memory involved to try and sure. make that a natural movement so is that something you find that needs to be worked on and and, and spends a lot of time on when players to your program I do
0: just because too like um those po- the posts passing out of the posts is not easy so I mean it's not always going to hit you right in the chest it's going to bring you to the left a, a little bit to where you need to pop your feet to the floor and go straight up and not fade to the left. Um, just, just getting your feet. Um, it's extremely important. I, I think footwork for guards is probably the most important thing in the world. We didn't even talk about finishing, but that's a whole nother, whole nother level for me.
1: Oh, I I got time. Talk, talk to us, coach. Yeah. What, what, what goes into, into finishing? What do what the guards need to make sure they're doing or working on?
0: Yeah. So I obviously going on, going off two feet, um, Charles Barkley, uh, He turned every drive into a post. He was an undersized post. Um, this post this past postseason, with our guards, we turned every drive into a post up. So there's, there's two options. There's two reads. If you see chest, then you turn it into a post up. If I have a step on you and I see shoulder, I'm turning it into some kind of reach so I can reach with my inside hand, outside hand, you reach through them and then get the foul. Um, that's the more easier read, but then a barkley. So let's say I'm driving, I'm on the right wing, I'm gonna drive. Let's say you do a good job of cutting me off. It's a quick flip of your hips, it's a crossover, not a drop. And then my right shoulders instantly in, in your chest. So if that I hope that makes sense. So I'm driving like ideally, I'm driving my, my left shoulder is in your chest. Uh-huh. You cut me off, and then I'm instantly flipping my hips, turning around getting my right shoulder into your chest and turning it into a post up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So basically,
0: yeah, yeah, I, we tell our, our, our guards first pound is to knock them off balance. Second pound is to make your move. So we found a lot like me, me training the guards, they'll, they'll, they'll they'll, like body me, they'll, they'll back (laughs) me. down. But then we get one on one and they don't want to touch them. Right. So like, Uh I'm, I am watching your pounds. So you're getting your chest, your shoulder into their chest. You're not extending it, your, your forearm, and you're not dropping your shoulder, but you keep, but you can push them back, and then we have different moves off that. So, basically, uh, we bring back the go, so you just go. So, like, let's say I, I drive, flip my hips, one pound, and I just go. So, it's that's the easiest thing for me. I think if you cut me off, I can, I can just spin back. If you don't, I can just finish on the other side of the rim. Um, the other option is, obviously, two pounds facing up, and if we have that shot we can take it if we don't then we just step through <clears throat> but the hardest one that we're that we're working on now is let's say 2 pounds i face up you're you're close enough to me i cannot get my left foot around to step through right so let's say i just spin back the way that i came from w- without traveling so keeping that right foot down and spinning back so keeping my back on you and just not facing up so just giving them different moves to make it in like in the post. And I think it's just really hard. I don't think guards really get posted up a lot. So I look forward to seeing this year if, um, if, uh, defensively guards do a good job or not. So.
1: And, and I mean, just, just the, the concept of, uh, players working on their guards you know working on their post skill set and everything yeah. I mean that that's not something that I think a lot of guards uh, are, are doing a whole bunch of and so just to even have a few moves and I think again just thinking back to even at, at younger levels and, and like high school coaches etc like if they can get their guards to have like a couple of those those moves that you mentioned that come in like that could be those could be that could be game changing to have that yeah. kind of skill set yeah
0: i mean we want to do it because last year we didn't do a good job finishing but then you watch we're all going off one foot and we're all making a a, a reach layup no matter what and it's just going off off the backboard so now it's like oh no like now you turn it in, into a post like now you have to go off off two feet so it just helps us slow down too it's not going 100 miles per hour and do a a, a a like layup where you're just falling out of bounds so yeah, no control definitely slows them down
1: yeah no i love that awesome uh, yeah, this this is great. I know we could we could probably talk for, for a, lo- a, lot, a lot longer. I know it's late over there too, though. So I <laughs> respect you and, and, and your time within these time constraints. And, appreciate, and that. I appreciate that. there's a couple of questions that I ask every guest to kind of wrap up. And so I'll, I'll pick your brain here with this first one, which is uh, thinking back on your coaching career, what is a moment from your coaching career that you think others listening would be able to learn from?
0: Oh... So really what opened my eyes was um, I'll go back to the Michigan Mystics. That's an, that was the, the like travel club here. Um, I was with them for seven years and my last year I was able to get a top team. So I was able to get the top junior team where we were like competing against the best of the best. So we went to Louisville. Um, There's an AA, there's an AAU tournament every year called run for the roses. And that's like the most popular tournament. It's like got over Mm -hmm. Two two thousand teams there with over eight thousand athletes there, so it's unbelievable. So um, we were there playing, and we actually made it to to the championship. So we won like six games in three days, and then on that fourth day, we played in, in the in the championship. So we were playing this team called Team Strong, and um, coach they had the I think the fourth best player in the country, and uh, she ate us alive, like she destroyed us. But the coolest thing for me is like. I've with that team I coached, I was blessed enough to have good na- to have good enough players where the baselines were filled. But like that game, the baselines were unbelievable. Like it felt like everyone in in that 85 court place was right on top of our R1 court. Um, Gino from from Yukon was there, South Carolina, Tennessee, I mean Texas, like <laughs> every single coach you can think of, the head coach was there. Now don't get it wrong to watch that girl that, that we're playing but there's like still there watching us. And um, for me, that was the biggest, like, okay, I, I I want to get here and I want to be on the baseline watching this game and recruiting the best players and recruiting the best of the best and um, being someone that just people aren't afraid to talk to and learn from and chat with. And I think just making those connections with coaches, with coaches was the biggest thing for me being fortunate enough to coach that that good a team I talked to, a lot of, of different coach a lot of different coaches from there was one out in Portland um to like New York to Florida to multiple coaches in in, in like Texas that I, I, I still communicate today with I mean you're in Arizona and I'm I'm blessed to to be able to like to like connect with you um so just making those connections asking those questions trying new things uh going to coaches clinics I think that's huge I I love going to uh, coach clinics talking to all the different coaches about what they're the one well, the one aspect of, of basketball they're passionate about so yeah just like getting that experience and then like being in that moment for me was a surreal situation where i'm like okay i i want to be here and i want to stay here so that
1: is that that is so cool i can't i, I couldn't i literally can't imagine what that must have felt like that the that sounds rim. so surreal that is so cool um and and yeah it's like i want i want, I want more of those <laughs> I yes. want more moments like that right yes. Yes, that is so cool. Uh, to wrap up, coach, I give every guest uh, what I call a, a 60 second soapbox, but I'm not going to time you so you can go over 60 seconds if you want. But it's uh, your platform to kind of get out a final thought, a closing message, a final idea of sorts that you want to leave the listeners with. And you can kind of take it really any direction that you wish so uh, that you want. Excuse me. So I'm just going to go ahead and open up the floor to you, coach, and uh, I'm going to let you take it from here.
0: Okay, so I guess the biggest thing I would say is just building relationships. Um, I think in the profession of coaching, relationships are huge, um, not even for yourself, but the athletes. I think um, <clears throat> my years of coaching, I've never realized until probably this year, like how impactful my words are to athletes. So, um, and then you building that connection with the athletes, like your words become even more. In, uh, impactful and just building a relationship with your uh, assistant and, and head coaches i mean that will help you make your job way way more easier and your life way more enjoyable building relationships with your players it doesn't feel like you are at your job but you are and then also it's nice when you can you can you know you can get on your players and then still have that love after practice mm-hmm. after like after games. so being tough on them wanting their absolute best during practice and then still loving them afterwards and still knowing they love you too. Um, That's very huge to me. And then relationships with, I mean, even the, like the rest of, of, of the staff here at Northwood, like I've grown really close to the volleyball uh, coaches, really close to the like softball coaches, like just building those relationships because you never know who those people know. And then, like I said um, before, like building relationships with other coaches, like, this is something that like we can connect through, through anywhere about whatever, like it's basketball is basketball. And I think we touched on it earlier. Like no one's making up new stuff right now. Like everyone's copying e- like each other. Everyone's getting notes from him or, or her. Everyone's watching this team play and you, and you love that blob. Like I, I'll I watch TV and man, there'll be a great blob. I'll, I'll get my phone and just record it. So, and then, now I try to find that coach's email and just try and like connect. Sometimes they don't always answer, but then that that one or two times they do, it's 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 like it's phenomenal. So biggest thing I would say is make connections, put yourself out there, and um, if if you're passionate about it, basketball will uh, give back to you. So.
1: Uh, that that's great that's really well said uh coach Volker I really want to appreciate you for coming on and we 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 covered a lot and I know there's still so much more we could have talked about but I really appreciate you coming on uh talking talking some x's and o's talking some offense talking mental health relationships cool coaching journeys and coaching stories that you shared it was a lot of fun and uh thanks for spending some time out of your busy schedule I know you got a A hungry group coming back, an experienced group coming back this year. So I wish you guys all the best and hope it's a great season for you, coach. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: I appreciate appreciate, uh, your time, coach. I look forward to next time.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast, and we will see you guys next time.
0: Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.